son. You're with uh, Dr. Sage? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I was going to send an appointment. And then uh, they can do the test over there. Yeah, can't just go to St. Joseph's and have them blood test? No, because they're going to tell you to go to your primary. Unless you had like a, like a specific, if, if you already had a diagnosis of something and it was an emergency, because you can't, you got to show to the ER with like something legit. Because oh, okay. if you get, if they get guys that are like, oh, I think I have this, they're like, oh, you, well, you think you need to go call your doctor, brother. But yeah, so we'll call Dr. Sage, set an appointment, and then. I don't know what it is, but in my mouth, it keeps coming out of nowhere. Like Do you have one right now? I got one here, under my tongue, and right here. Yeah, they'll just, they'll just send you to your primary. Yeah, because they're, they, they're not going to want to deal with all the, because they're not like. You, you need a primary doctor to be able to diagnose you for that. Right. Um, but yeah, we'll call Dr. Sage today and get an appointment set up. It's the process, bro. No, I know. It's, it's just I keep thinking about my girl and I get her wrong and it just sucks. And now every time letter comes in, I'm going to think she wrote me. And Good. I have to wait a whole month. This, this is going to build you. So that the next time that 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 thought comes in your mind, you're gonna you're gonna be stronger. Like, nope, not gonna. I remember what happened last time. I'm not gonna allow it to repeat. You gotta just let it build you stronger. This is where the the process refines you. It's like uh, a piece of coal going through the furnace, and 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 at the end, you become purified. So right now, this is all the elements that are coming out of you, brother. That it doesn't feel good. It's uncomfortable. Yes, and it hurts. But but in the end, you're gonna become stronger, and you're gonna be more pure in the Lord. It's your heart. It's your heart that the Lord is dealing with. The reason a lot of us are here, because our hearts weren't right. We knew our character had, had cracks in its, in its foundation. So we come here so that the Lord will strengthen us in those areas. Right. You got it, my brother. Believe in you, man. I actually had a question. I wonder if I can, if I can call my mom. Like, if I can talk to her about, because like, I want to, like, I don't think I can do this anymore. Like, I mean, it's not like I'm, like, hating on God or anything. It's just like mm -hmm. I really, I don't think it would talk about um, well, like, I mean, I, 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 they, they were trying to make it seem like I wanted to do it for the court. But yeah. It, you know, it's like. It's your choice, ultimately. You know, yeah. that's why, like, I always tell the guys, it's kind of hard when the when the family brings people in. Because, yeah. like, it's really the person's choice. Because, yeah, exactly. You know, like, I, I, um, I feel like I'm, I'm not ready right now yeah. to, to get myself to yeah. the end. But I do, I do have them in mind, and I mm -hmm. try my best and stuff like that. But yeah. I was wondering if I can. Yeah. And my girlfriend. I don't know, see if I. See if my girlfriend wants me to come back or not. How's everybody feeling this Tuesday morning? Bless. Come on, we got two blessed brothers in the home. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Amen. Everybody oh awake this morning? Yeah. Come on. It's going to be all right, fellas. It's going to be all right. I want to thank God, man, for giving me another day. Uh, I, I remember times when I didn't know if, if I was going to make it another day, if, if I even wanted to live another day, but I'm grateful this morning. I'm, I'm counting my blessings. I don't know if anybody else has been blessed, but I'm grateful for the blessings God has given me today, whether my attitude or my emotions are accepting of it or not. Um, I'm grateful to our pastors for continuing to believe and teaching us, and uh, I'm thankful for my, my wife for continuing to be that writer by my side in this battle. But this morning, um, we're going to get into the book of Ephesians. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. And for my guys that have been here, you know, we, we started at Ephesians 1 and we've been breaking it down. Um, it's been a really good teaching, but today, man, it's going to really, it was it was a lot. I was like, man, I was still putting some stuff together. I could have put more in it, but uh, I've been I've been preparing it for like three days. Uh, it's a lot of stuff. Just, just in the latter part of chapter 4. But you guys will see as we get into it. But I do believe that God's going to move this morning and prayerfully it will break some barriers of, of some of the walls that I think that we've um, personally put up between us and God. But Ephesians chapter 4, we'll begin at verse 17. Ultimately, we're going to close out the chapter today. But Ephesians 4, beginning at verse 17, the word of God reads like this. With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do. For they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Let's pray this morning. Father, we just come before you in this place, Lord, and we ask God for your anointing to just cover each of us this morning, my God. We pray, Lord, that you would remove any distractions. Help us, God, to focus on you this morning, my God. Your word says, Lord, that that 
We can't expect tomorrow. In other words, tomorrow isn't promised, my God. I pray that, that we will seize today, my God, that we would get the most out of it, Lord, that we would draw closest to you and that we would learn you this morning, my God. I pray for hearts that are open and fertile to be teachable. I pray, God, that you would use me. Empty me out of anything that is not of you, God, and fill me with your spirit. I need you, God. Help me. Give me all, I give you all the honor and glory, and I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. The title of the message this morning, guys, is Unwrapped and set free unwrapped and set free and i'll explain once we get through our points this morning of what exactly i'm talking about but right here we have the apostle paul and he's writing to his church in ephesus and and he's going to really cover some some key points as as you'll see right now i mean it already begins to talk about basically what a dead man it's almost like he's describing a dead person it says that that the mind is full of darkness their, their hearts are hardened, they have no sense of shame, they live for lustful pleasure, and they eagerly practice every kind of impurity. I don't know about you guys, man, but that was the type of life that I lived when I was dead, when I was dead to the Lord, when I was dead in my sin, when I was a slave to the bondages that kept me in captivity. And here we have Paul writing that we need to stand out. So the, the first point that we're going to get into is, number one, me against the world. Me against the world. And this life that you walk, gentlemen, really it's just you versus the world. You've got God with you, but we don't always have God with us. Because sometimes we, we turn away from God. Sometimes we walk away from God or, or we, we willingly reject Him. And you'll see also as we get into it. But the first point is me against the world. We're going to make this decision right here. If it's me against the world or me and God against the world. Our minds become transformed from thinking from a source of darkness to knowing God's will and plan. How many guys used to have dark thoughts? Your, your mind was dark. You just, you had a lot of darkness going on up here, amen. Uh, you thought negatively. You were discouraged. You were very disappointed. You were easy to, to feel disrespected. We had dark minds. It also talks about the heart, that our hearts should not be hardened to God. We used to say that, that we have no shame in our game. Who used to say that before? I got no shame in my game, bro. Do what I want. Live how I want to live. I used to say that all the time. I ain't got no shame in my game, bro. They want to kick me out the bar, I'll drink in the parking lot. <laughs> uh, they kick me out the club, I'll have my own party right out here in the, in, the, in the sidewalk. I have no shame in my game. But when we come to God, we must care about how we carry ourselves and what type of a life we're reflecting to others. I know that, you know, we, we still carry that mentality sometimes. Well, I don't care what people think about me or I don't care what people say about me. Unfortunately, others think otherwise. <clears throat> but we do have to, in a sense, care of, of what type of representation of Christ we're showing others, we're showing the world. One of our biggest battles comes from no longer fulfilling lustful desires. We, we have to now live not to please our lustful desires. That, that means to, to keep your, your tallywhacker locked up. Come on, somebody. Some of us, man, we're, we're burning. We're burning in lust. Like, man, we can't even be around a woman for more than 10 minutes before we're already done mind. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You already done had her in your mind and fantasy and all this perversion and sexual immorality. But God's saying, man, you got to live a life of purity. You got to live a life of purity. Let's turn to Romans chapter 1. In Romans 1, this, this whole chapter goes raw as well. But we're going to read 21 through 25 and then another section of this chapter in a little bit. But in Romans chapter 1, I want to read 21 through 25, and the Word of God says this. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. We, we got to understand that people began to become idolaters. What, what does that mean? That, that you worship anything before God. That, that you put other things in place of God. You know, some of us it was money. Some of us it was materials. It was possession. Some people loved cars. You know, some people it was a gym. Come on. 
working out too much. Working out too much. I, I know I know I gotta keep a balance as as I'm finally getting back to, you know, getting into a healthy lifestyle. I know I've got to keep a balance. If I'm not prayed up, studied up and and in the spirit, then I don't I don't have no place going to the gym. Uh, if if I'm already in the flesh, oh brother, see you better not go to that gym. Go mess around and, and, and get caught up. Amen. Or, or I start letting the testosterone and I start letting the the uh you know pride or whatever you want to call it. But we, we, we become idolaters. In other words, now now I'm looking at myself or I'm, I'm looking at, at at this other resource above God. And we, we got to be careful because anything that you put before God becomes your idol. See, this is idolatry and it has been said that idolatry begins when people reject the knowledge of God. Rather than making ourselves to become more like an image of God, we make God into our own image. In that text that we just read in Romans, it says that people began to make images that looked like birds and reptiles and animals. And we know because what did the Israelites do when they were waiting for Moses at the mountaintop? Who remembers? They were, they were praying to, to a cow or to a bull. They, they, they made themselves an image of a golden calf. Yeah. So you're going to settle, you're going you're gonna to trade God in for what we make hamburgers out of. You know, for some barbecue, you're going you know, to worship a calf. And another other animals, you know, today like like the Hindus, they they worship the elephant. Uh, some some beliefs they worship snakes, and it's crazy because in, in our reality, what does a serpent represent? Devil. Right. But they worship animals. You know, in, in the Hawaiian culture, you know, we're, me and my wife are are very close to the our, our Victory Outreach family in Hawaii. But the the natives over there, the the um, the locals, they believe that their ancestors come from an animal spirit. Some believe that they come from the spirit of the shark. They come from the spirit of the stingray and, and other animals. But they believe that that's why they have certain characteristics or that's why they act certain ways. Again, it's, it's idolatry. It becomes something that replaces God within our lives. Those that oppose the Lord create a God that meets their own needs and their own selfish desires. This in time causes the heart to become hardened as, other, as the person begins to hate God. See, as, as your heart begins to harden, if you harden against God, then you begin to hate Him. You begin to resent Him, ultimately rejecting Him. And God will allow this to happen through His grace, that He gives us time in hopes that a person would realize that they need God, and that there is no other name greater than the name of Jesus Christ. What, what allows people to still live and worship other idols is the hope that in time that they would wake up. That they would realize that that, that golden calf isn't going to meet your needs. That golden calf isn't going to answer your prayers. That, that golden calf or that image, that idol that you're serving, it isn't going to fulfill you the way that I can fulfill you. Has God ever stopped you from sinning? No. When, when, when were you in sin and God ever stopped you from sinning? Can anybody answer that? He allows it. Why? Because He gave us the, the choice of free will. He said, you choose. I created you. I don't, I'm not going to force you to worship me, but you choose. So when we were sinning, we were free to sin, though we were slaves in our sin. We develop a mentality that serving God is such a restricted life. Oh, I can't do this. I can't do that, man. I can't even cuss, bro. I can't even look at girls. I can't even, you know, go hang out and drink a beer and do this and that. We, we, we look at how it's such a restricted life. We're like, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. Yet God allows us to freely choose what decisions we want to make. What we fail to understand is that as we continue choosing to sin, we eventually become slaves of that sin. Because then we become addicted. Then, then we become familiar to the point that you lived a life that was so sad, you don't know how to be happy anymore. To the point to where you lived a life that was so prideful, you can't even humble yourself. We become slaves to the sin that we, we get mad at God of restricting us from or commanding us not to do. We can't be played by all these other false beliefs and teachings, but we must let the Bible be our standard to test all things proclaiming to be the truth. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to read 3 through 6. Let me have somebody go there. Second Corinthians four, and if you could read three through six. Amen. Go ahead, Uncles. And even to everyone's conscience in the sight of God, wait, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are 
perishing. Mm -hmm. The God of his age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is in the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Amen. Beautiful scripture. These are uplifting scriptures. These are encouraging scriptures right here. When our minds are darkened to receive the wisdom that God provides for us, whether we want to accept it or not, we make Satan our God. When, when we reject God, when we know God, but we still choose, nope, I'm going to go do my thing. I'm going to go become part of the world again. I'm going to, I'm going to do what the devil is telling me to do. God allows us to, to, to be blinded then, basically. He's like, okay, you want to choose that? Then, then go for it. Do it. See, truth and life, they go hand in hand. Truth, life, they're hand in hand, together. Now, lying and death, again, are, are, are the opposite end of that. If we don't want to accept God's truth, then, then we're not going to get the life that God is offering us. But if we want the opposite of God's truth, then we're going to get the opposite of life, which is death. When we accept the truth, live by the truth, and preach the truth, we have life and life eternal. But without the truth, we are destined for death. A hardened heart can be a lock to solitary confinement. If, if you have a heart that is hardened to God, you, you basically put yourself in solitary confinement. And I encourage you guys again to read Romans chapter 1 on your own and read about God's anger to sin. But if, if we go back to Romans chapter 1 again, I just want to read a few more verses out of there. Romans chapter 1 and I'll read uh, 28 through 32. And the Bible says, Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that they should never have been done. Their lives become full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die. Yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Man. Let, let me find somebody around me that has those characteristics. I'll be like, man, you got to go, bro. You got to you not to step away from me. I'll pray from you from afar. I'll love you from a distance, man. But you got all that going on with you? That, that's, that's not the type of person that I'm trying to hang around with. Let God transform you into one who lives by the truth. Let your body be used by God as an instrument for His voice to speak to and through. Do we have any of these characteristics this morning? If so, you got to give them to God immediately. Give them to God. If, if anything that was just mentioned in that portion, you're like, yup, that's me. Yup, I battle with that. Yup, I struggle with that. They begin to ask God, Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to help me to transform to help me to change this about my life, because otherwise we're gonna we're gonna see what the what the the destination of the cup of God's anger will lead to. Point number two this morning: Holy Spirit renewing. Holy Spirit renewing. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter four. We're gonna continue with our main text. In Ephesians four, I want to read twenty through twenty-four, and the Word of God reads. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned that the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. The renewing of the Holy Spirit. It says that, you learn the truth that comes from Him and put on your new nature. When we read the Bible, we're not reading of a God who once existed. We're reading of a God who has and always will exist. And today you're learning about the Almighty God who is alive and is seated on the throne in heaven. Through His Holy Spirit, we become renewed. He, he sent His Spirit down to earth. If, if, if you're open this morning and you're you're broken before God this morning then his holy spirit is in you 
it's operating and functioning through you this morning. The more that we study the word, the more that we learn of Jesus. And Jesus is the word of God. In Luke 24, 27, you can write down these verses, I'll read them. Luke 24, 27, it says, Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So basically, what's Jesus saying? Jesus says, you could find me all the way in the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. I'm not just a New Testament identity. Jesus is found in the beginning to the end of the Bible. In the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus also says, you search the scripture because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. The, the word of God is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the word. The word is God. When we are reborn in Christ, the old man dies and the new arises. That means that we have a new identity and a new citizenship. As we continue to study and apply his word, we walk, we talk, we live differently. It should be evident. Come on now. When Daniel first came in the home, he, he uh, how long you been here? I've been here, I want to say going on two months. Already looks like a new man. Already looks like a new man. If you guys would have seen him when he first came in, you'd be like, who's this guy? He's already looking like a new man, and God's doing the work in him. Because when God does the work on the inside, it begins to show on the outside. It should be <laughs> evident. See, in our physical form, we are a product of what we eat. Come on now. We are a product of what we eat. Some of us got some jelly rolls this morning. Got some extra chins going on this morning. Come on. Some of us are sucked up because we weren't eating. Come on. Straight off the streets. But we are a product that we eat when it comes to the physical form. But spiritually speaking, we become what we think. That's why the battle of the mind is such a, a tough arena. Because what you think is what you become spiritually. Physically, it's what you eat, what you put in your mouth. Spiritually, it's what you put in your mind, what you put in your thought. That's why we need to wear the helmet of salvation to protect our thoughts. We encourage you to meditate on the word of God. Meditate. That means think about it. Ponder it. I know you guys don't hear that word that often, but ponder. That means to sit on it, to think about it, chew on it. You know, people usually ask me when, when uh, they hear about our recovery home and they say, what kind of counseling do you give these addicts to help them? Simple, really. The Bible. The Bible. This is your guys' counseling. Don't get me wrong. We sit down one-on-one -on -one with you, but in all reality, this is your curriculum. I remember being court-ordered to go to counseling, and, and it was good. It was cool. But they didn't challenge me to take notes. They didn't send me with papers and little booklets and pamphlets and, okay, here's the resolution to your addiction. You know, go and live a life drug-free, alcohol-free, whatever, free that the court had ordered me to go. But you guys, we challenge you to write these notes so that throughout the day, you're, you're pondering, you're meditating on it, you're thinking about the word. But that's why we challenge you, man. Take notes, guys. You know, really, really, th this should be something that you think about daily. You should wake up like, all right, I can't wait for my counseling session. Some people call it group. You know, they'll be like, uh, are we going to have group today? Because they're so programmed and used to being and all that court-ordered stuff. Or are we having a group today? Yes, brother, we're going to have a group with Jesus today. Come on. But, but what you get, what you receive in sanctuary, that needs to be what you think about all day. I can't remember anything that they taught me in counseling. But when I look back at my notes that the preachings that I've sat in, the teachings that I've put together myself. Because don't get me wrong, guys. As you guys are being ministered to this morning, I'm being ministered to myself. I've got to make sure that what I'm teaching you guys, I'm practicing myself. I'd be a hypocrite if I'd be up here telling you guys to live a certain way. And I myself wasn't living by it as well. We're all learning together here. We're all growing together here. See, the rest of the day, you should be meditating on the Word of God. Become a man of prayer in the utc the training center we were taught to take 15s go take a 15 a 15 yeah go get 15 minutes of prayer in real quick just take a 15 i was like okay 15 minutes yeah i can do that we go in the closet we had a little prayer closet we'd get into and we'd pray 15 minutes boom but i come out feeling better refreshed stronger i used to work at a call center uh for ups and then for hyundai and and man if you've done customer service it's a stressful job but I remember, I would always think in my mind, like, man, I can't wait till my break time. I'm going to go get me a Monster and some Hot Cheetos. And that was my, my little boost for the next 90 minutes. Monster and Hot Cheetos, bang, let's rock. I'm ready to go. Quick little 15-minute break. I'm back in action. But it was so unhealthy. None of that stuff was really good for me. In all reality, I think it just made me more tired once the, 
once the effect wore down. But when you come to prayer, when it comes to prayer, if you just take a quick 15-minute prayer break, guys, throughout the day, if you're going through it, if you're battling, if you're struggling, take a 15-minute prayer break and see how much stronger you feel after that. Prayer is so much more effective. And then the third and the final point this morning, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4 as we close out of the chapter. This is where it's about to get raw. Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. I'll wait till you guys turn there so we can read it together. But this, this whole chapter, you know, I encourage you guys to read it. Today we just kind of cover the last half of it. But but we're gonna we're gonna continue. I think there's only about a couple more chapters left in the book of Ephesians, and then we'll be done with it. Ephesians 4. We're gonna begin at verse 25. And uh, there's only seven verses left in the chapter. Okay, Ephesians 4, beginning at verse 25, the word of God reads like this. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them and do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, Christ, has forgiven you. The third point this morning is redemption ready. Redemption ready. With, with these simple directions here, Christ is saying that we can be ready for the day of redemption if, if we do not be like the, the characteristics that were just given. Here Paul is emphasizing on some of the sins that we need to be cautious not to be involved in. If Christ has given us a new identity, then we need to live like we're saved so that on the day of redemption we are guaranteed salvation. If Christ, you know, has, has renewed us, then we need to live by it. We, we have the testimony. There's testimonies in the house this morning. I was set free from this. I've been set free from that. God delivered me from this lifestyle. God has, has broken the bondage of this. Generational curses have been shattered. You know, my son doesn't have to live a life that I live. My, my daughter doesn't have to grow up the way that I did today. Because I, I, I made the choice to stop. I made the choice to change. If Christ has given us a new identity... Then we need to we need to live like that. If we don't want salvation, then you can follow these next characteristics in life, and then you can work it out with the judge when you meet him on judgment day. Amen. But the first characteristic that, that we're gonna look at is lying. Lying. In Warren Wiersbe's commentary, it says, A lie is a statement that is contrary to fact, spoken with the intent to deceive. If we go back to the beginning of the Bible. Genesis 3 verse 1, the devil told Eve, do you really, did God really say you must not eat the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? He was deceitful. He was planting a seed of doubt. Did God really say that? Come on. He didn't say that you can't eat from all these trees, did he? And what happened, Eve was like, well, I thought he did. I mean, I thought he said not to eat from that one tree. All, all it took was a little seed to be planted to doubt God. He's going to tell you, you don't really need to be in this home. You don't really need to stick it out the whole year. You don't really need to become everything that they're teaching you to become. You don't really need to follow all the parts of the Bible. He's going to plant that little seed. And you got to be strong enough in the Lord, man, to be able to, again, tell him to shut up. Shut up, devil. Get out my face, man. Get out my ear. You know, I don't, don't want to hear nothing you got to say. Satan will challenge us to doubt God's word in deception. And I want you guys, if you don't have this verse highlighted, if you go to John chapter 8, verse 44. John 8, verse 44. This is one that everybody should have highlighted. It says, For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the things he does. 
He was a murderer from the beginning. He always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And I, the reason I, I, I tell you to highlight that is because you're going to hear him lying to you all the time. It, it, the Bible says that is his first language. And he doesn't know any other language after that. Lying. He can lie in Greek. He can lie in Spanish. He can lie in English. He can lie in Hebrew. He can lie in native tongue. He can lie in, in whatever language, sign language. Come on now. It don't matter. The devil knows how to lie in every language. He doesn't know how to tell the truth, though. The Bible says that that is foreign to him. He, he didn't get the Rosetta Stone on truth, amen? He is a person that doesn't know the truth. For he is a liar and the father of lies. See, when we speak in truth, we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. But when we lie, though, who's your daddy? Who's your daddy when you lie? The devil. The, devil. the Bible says the, he is the father of lies. Who are you allowing to work in you? When you tell on yourself, you shame the devil. Nobody likes to, to taste that humble pie of confession when you have to be real and confess. Yup, yeah, it was me. It was me. The other day, I was counseling with one of the men, and, 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 I, and I had asked him a question, and I already seen the gears of lying begin to kick in, and I was like, look, bro, don't lie to me right now. Just, just tell me the truth. All right, bro, yes. I was like, all right, man, you, about, you almost let the devil in. You almost let the devil in. Like, bro, I'm not the, I'm not the judge. I'm not your PO. I'm not here to, to give you more time. I'm just trying to help you out, man, to let that sin out of you, to let that, that stuff come out. I'm, I'm here to help you guys, man. You guys don't need to, to lie to me like as if I'm, I'm the one that's going to. I know that some of us, we grew up institutionalized or we grew up, you know, dealing with police. I had to deal with police since I was a little kid. They'd come, they'd come straight to our little crew. Who broke that window down the street? What? What window? There's windows down the street. We knew how to, you know, you got to play stupid. Got to play dumb. Don't give them no information. Don't, don't give them any room. I know that mentality, guys. But when we come to God, the Bible says that we need to be men of truth. We need to be men of integrity. You need to be honest. You need to be real. Because God is wanting to work in you. He can't work in you if you're a man of lying. When you tell on yourself, you shame the devil. But the feeling of the release of the weight of the relief that comes off of it is, is far better and worth being true to God instead of being played by the devil. In Revelations 22... Let me have somebody read 14 through 15. And another word for deception is lying. Basically, all who love to lie are going to be outside the gates of heaven. If you are controlled by the truth, then you will be one in Christ. But if we love to lie, live a lie, and lie to others, come on. The Bible says that that, that gate gets shut. We, we don't get to pass that gate. We don't get to enter into the kingdom of God if that's the type of lifestyle that we live. Let's look at the next characteristic that Paul wrote about. Anger. He talked about anger in our closing text of Ephesians 4. And again, in the commentary, it says, Anger is an emotional arousal caused by something that displeases us. When you're not pleased, when something doesn't please you, anger arises. Now, I want you to understand this, guys. Anger itself isn't a sin. Did you know that? Just, just the, the feeling of anger isn't a sin, it's what you do with it. If anger causes you to sin, then yes, you sinned. But you can have a righteous anger. You know, we, we see many instances in the Bible where God himself was stirred by anger. The Lord has a cup of anger for those who reject our God. But I want to share with you one instance in Psalms 2. Psalms 2, verse number 12. It says, Submit to God's royal son, or he will become angry, and you will be destroyed in the midst of all your activities, for his anger flares up in an instant. But what joy for all who take refuge in him. And it says that his anger flares up. How would you describe a flare, flaring up? What, what element is that? Fire. Fire. 
So the Bible is telling us that anger is like fire. It can burn slowly within us, leading to malice. You, you ever had that anger that is burning slow in you? It's like, oh man, it takes its time. You're plotting, strategizing. And if you don't know what malice is, malice is the desire to do evil. It's, it's a slow, thought-out, premeditated strategy to do evil. But some people, anger blows up in them, leading to wrath. Just straight up, boom! I ain't got no fuse. Anger, anger lights up, it's blowing up, bro, that's it, boom. Zero to sixty. We can't control our anger like God does, because He's all-knowing and He's all-powerful. Us, we're emotional. We're emotional people. Led by emotions, we're fueled by emotion. The Bible tells us to be angry at our sin and to love people. The, the Bible tells us to love God and hate evil. If we do sin in anger, the Bible teaches us right here in Ephesians to resolve the matter urgently. It says, before the day ends, don't sleep on your anger. If, if you've sinned in your anger, then give it to God immediately. God, forgive me, Lord. I, I, I raged out today. I, I acted out in anger today, Lord. And, and we have a teaching of anger in Matthew 5. Let's turn to Matthew 5. We're going to read 21 through 26. If I could have somebody read that. Matthew 5, 21 through 26. See, Ephesians teaches us that, that lying and anger gives a foothold to the devil. We, we just read right now in the Gospel of Matthew that, that the Lord is going to judge us with the same judgment of anger that we give to our brother. That same anger that you give to your brother, the Lord is going to use against you. We got to be careful. Be careful with anger, man. It's an it's a ugly, ugly thing. It's a very destructive thing. It, it leads to chaos. We have to be able to control our anger. Solomon gives us a resolution on your anger. In Proverbs 15.1, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words makes tempers flare. There's that word again. Makes tempers flare. They light up. You think of when they shoot a flare in the air, what happens? Who sees it? Everybody. Everybody sees it. It's not hidden. It's not concealed, brother. You don't have concealed anger. It's, it's visible. It's evident. Anger flares up. But the Lord says, man, if, if you just humble yourself, a gentle answer deflects anger. Humbleness. Amen. Meekness. Humility. People get in your face and get all crazy. Give them a gentle answer. Yeah, you're going to feel like, like, you know, whatever small amount or, you know, whatever degree of a man... But you're allowing the Holy Spirit to take full control. Let God deal with that situation. Let God, you know, judge that person. And then next one is stealing. Stealing. And our, our closing text of Ephesians, I mentioned those that were thieves. And, and if we look at John 10.10, 10, it says, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus is telling us that the devil is a thief and that his main job description is to steal, kill, and destroy. Wherever the devil puts in a resume, I'm an expert at stealing, I'm a killer, and I'm, I'm a destroyer. Any one of those categories you need, I got you. You need me to steal, got it. You need me to kill, got it. You need me to destroy, I'm on it. 
But Jesus says, I come to, to give them a rich and a satisfying life. The, the Lord comes to fulfill. He comes to not take from us, but to give to us. He doesn't come to kill us. He, came to, he comes to give us life. He didn't come to destroy us, but to build us stronger and to build us wiser. Judas became a thief. Eve became a thief, causing her partner in crime, Adam, to also become a thief. Why? They allowed the devil to come in. They allowed the devil to influence them. What I love about Jesus is that when he hung on the cross, who was hanging next to him? A thief. Two, thieves. Two thieves. Two thieves. They were both insulting him and mocking him. But in time, one of them turned to Jesus. He says, you are the God. You, you don't deserve this punishment. We, we, we are getting what we deserve because we're thieves and we, we stole. He says, but you are, the, you are the Christ. Remember me. And I love Jesus' response in Luke 23, 43. He says, and Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Even a thief has redemption. Even one who, who steals, the Lord can still change and the Lord can still work with. And in all reality, that's for all of these characteristics. If you are a liar, God can change you and save you. If you are an angry person, God can change you and save you. You got a problem with stealing, God can change you and save you. We should work to help each other, not to steal and hurt one another. When we work, you know that when you work, you're helping. When you work for the home, you're helping the other guys that are in this home. You're helping to keep this place open so that, that more beds can be filled up, so that more men can come in the home. We got guys that are at work right now, and they're working to keep this home running. Those finances that come in, they go straight to the home. Me and my wife don't get none of it. Pastor doesn't get a cut out of it. It goes straight to the home. It's, it's not a, a cheap facility to run. We've got to cover the, the rents. We've got to cover the, the, the uh, insurances. There's a lot of insurances that are involved, a lot of fees that we've got to pay our corporate offices to keep these homes running. You know, some rehabs that you go to, you got to pay thousands of dollars just to be there. Here we're just like, hey, brother, you down to work? Cool. Come on. Jump, jump in one of the work crews and, and let's keep this thing running. You got EBT? Throw it in, man. Everybody puts their EBT together. Let's get the food for the house. We get donations that come in. We pray. God's our ultimate provider. You pray to God, he'll supply all your needs. Not your wants. But Steve, I want some steak and shrimp, brother. We got ramen noodle soup. Here you go, my brother. He's going to supply your, your needs, what you what you need. Sometimes we want our wants. Bro, can I get uh, the, the extra sensitive shampoo? No, brother. You're going to get this VO5, man. Victory Outreach 5. Here you go, brother. <laughs> we don't get the luxuries, man, but we get we get the necessities. We get the necessities, guys. I know some of us, we want to live lavish lives, and but sometimes you got to stay humble, man. Just stay humble. God's going to give you the things that you need. He provides in his house. But when you work, you're, you're working to help others. What's the opposite of working? It's stealing. I'm not going to work, man. I'm just going to go get it. The other day we were walking, seeing two brothers walking with like 330 packs of beer. Like, y'all didn't, <laughs> you didn't buy those, bro. You didn't buy those in the liquor store. Strolling. Yeah. About to get faded. But when we still, we're hurting people. But when you work, you're helping. Corrupt speech. I just got a couple more. Give me like four more minutes. Corrupt speech. Here we go. Oh, man. Corrupt speech in the home. Come on. Too common. Too common. But let's look at corrupt speech. What does the Bible say about it? In Matthew 12, verse 35. A good person produces good things from the treasury of good, of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. From the abundance of the mouth, the heart, the mouth will speak. Man, you could, you could show it all day on the outside. And you can be around me all day and playing the holy card, man. But the Lord knows what's really in that heart. As a matter of fact, you, you reveal it when you speak. We got to be a man that, that, man, we change our speech. Let it not be said. No one can say that they've ever heard me cuss since I've got saved, you know, since I really changed my life, you know, that, that I, I talk about my leaders or, or that I, I talk negatively about the church because I don't, I don't have that in me. I don't allow it. I don't allow it. When that thought comes in my mind, I shoot it down right there. My heart has to stay pure for this. I've got to, I got to, I got to have a passionate heart for this. I got to really love you guys and believe you guys. To endure a lot of the, the backstabbing and the slandering and the lying that I have to face on the daily. You know what corrupt speech is like? A rotten fruit. It stinks. You guys have seen the, the fruit that comes in sometimes from the donations. We're like, oh yeah, avocados. Oh man, it's all fuzzy. Don't want those avocados. 
Oh, man, look at all these grapes. You pop it open, start digging, and then all of a sudden, right in the middle, got some fuzz. Dang. It's all slimy, sticky, smelly. And that, that's just how corrupt speech is. It stinks, man. It's an odor that is unpleasing. It's an unpleasing odor. Just like a dead body. You know, a body begins to decay. It, it, it falls into rigor mortis. It begins to, to, to become different. It's dead, unpleasing, you know. We have to stay grateful, guys. Gratefulness will keep your heart pure. Just remain grateful. That's why sometimes in the morning, you know, smile. You didn't have to wake up today. God didn't have to give you life today. At least be thankful for that. Be a blessing to other people. Here's a resolution for corrupt speech. In, in Colossians 4 verse 6, the Bible says, Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. When you're, when you're gracious, that means that you're grateful for the grace God has given you. Man, God gave me grace today. God woke me up today. I've got my health. I've got my right state of mind. I'm, I'm not bound by handcuffs. But God is doing a mighty work in me. And then lastly is bitterness. Bitterness. This is the last sub point we'll cover. Bitterness. Sometimes we, we allow bitterness to, to cover people. The way that we see them. The way that we look at them. And, and the, the unfortunate thing about bitterness is that it grieves the Holy Spirit. It grieves the Father. And it grieves our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The one that sacrificed himself so that we would live. When we, when we become bitter towards each other, it, it's, it's, it's not why God died for us. It's not why God called us and made us. Bitterness is something that, that didn't come from, you know, the Holy Spirit. It's not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But we need to be careful not to be bitter. I like that, that song by Andy Minio. He goes, I don't want to be bitter, bitter. It's a good song if you really listen to the lyrics because he's talking about how, how he had so much bitterness towards his father. He had so much bitterness towards one of his exes. We become bitter with people. But the Lord says, man, just, just forgive and let go. Forgive and let go. We want to hold on to the pain. We want to hold on to the, to the, the strife or the altercation or whatever it was. We want to hold on to that. We don't want to let it go to, to remain a victim. But God says, I want to make you victorious. You got to let go and, and, and allow my, my redemption to cover you. Unwrapped and set free. See, a lot of these characteristics, they, they resemble a dead person. And, and I mean spiritually. You, you have these characteristics that we went over, you're, you're, you're basically dead. See, but Christ came so that we would live. Christ came that we would be reborn. You know what story this reminded me of? Was Lazarus. You know, when Lazarus died, you know what they told Jesus? They, they said, man, his body probably smells already. He's already wrapped up and he's in the he's in the tomb. And Jesus came and he says, you know what he said? He said in John 11, 44, And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told him, unwrap him and let him go. So sometimes we walk around in life, guys, like we're already in the tomb, like we're already in the coffin, like we're already dead. Why? Because we're choosing to live a, a life of dead decisions. We're choosing to live a life of dead choices. But God is saying, man, take that stuff off of you. Take those grave clothes off and put these grace clothes on. I want you to live by grace and not by the grave. You're not a person that has been meant to live in death, but you've been a person that is meant to live life and life eternally. God chose each of you individually, uniquely, intentionally, with purpose, so that you would be a reflection of His light be a reflection of his light but let the transformation change you the, the book of ephesians gives us very specific direction on how not to live so that we will learn how to live and i pray that today guys that you meditate on this really really meditate on it if if you were never to hear another message again let this be the one man that you say all i gotta do is live by these instructions from my god and and, and i'll have an opportunity of salvation with the lord forever amen Let's all go and stand this morning. But I, I really want you guys to understand, man, that you're, you're no longer the old man that you used to be. You're a new creation. You got a new identity. You have a new citizenship. This is a family. This is a brotherhood. We're an army. We got we to gotta back each other up. We got to love each other, man. You know, it's, it's a blessing to see the, the new guys coming in the home. I know that there's a whole bunch of new guys that are going to be on their way as well. But, but we got to start taking our place. Those of you that have been here long enough, man, start taking your place. 
see how many guys have you seen leave already how many guys have you seen that that have came in and haven't grown six months have passed and they haven't grown nine months and they're still bumping their head on the same the same obstacle you got to grow past that stuff, guys. God's going to reveal the things in your life that need to be changed. But if you don't allow him to change them, if you if you continue to choose to live a certain way, you keep those grave clothes on. You're, you're still a stench. You're an odor. You're unpleasing, not only to God, but to those that are around you. But God is saying, man, if you allow me to do this work in you and my Holy Spirit, when it convicts you, if, if you listen then, then you're going to be a blessing to others. You're going you're gonna to begin to see my favor. You're going to begin to see the promises that I've given you and your family, your future generations that have yet to be born, unfold upon them. You begin the new legacy in Christ. You know, I can say that from my grandfathers and all the men along my family line down, that there was nothing but drunks and, and womanizers in my, in my man, in the men in my family. But it stops right here. Because I refuse to see my son have to grow up to be a pervert. I refuse to see my son have to grow up and, and live a life of addiction, to live a life of purposelessness, to see him out there wandering the streets lost. And, and maybe one day, you know, hopefully God will, will find him. No, I'm living a life right now that he would, he would know God, that he grows up seeing his dad praying. He grows up seeing his dad serving the Lord. But you guys make that decision yourselves. I pray that you guys would take those grave clothes off and you allow the Lord to unwrap you and set you free. Live a life for him. Live a life for Him. Amen. Let's pray it out this morning. Heavenly Father, we just come before you in this place, my God, and I thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. I thank you for speaking directly to us, my God, and I pray that, that within us, my Lord, we would be allowing you to do that change, God, that you would remove all these characteristics from us. We ask you right now to forgive us, God. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our trespasses, my God, and help us to become a new creation in you, Lord. Be with us today. Be with our brothers that are at work. We thank you. We give you all the honor and glory. And in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we all pray. Amen and amen. Come on, give us some praise. Amen. And we'll go from there. Uh, let me...